Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. So hello listeners and watchers, welcome to another show of the SDR Disco Core Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, uh, and today, as always, I'm excited. We've got a great guest on board, and this is somebody, as per normal, I connected with on LinkedIn. We got the talking, and we thought, why don't we get him on the show? So just a reminder, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this through YouTube or through podcasts, please make sure that you rate and subscribe and share so we can help more SDRs out there. So I'd love to introduce somebody that I recently met with a few weeks back, uh, Mike Judge from Turtle. Mike, how are you doing today, sir? Hi, Neil. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, good to be here. So, yeah, so as you say, met with, um, met with Neil via LinkedIn, really, and um, started a bit of a conversation. So good to be here. And um, yeah, so I live in Southend-on-Sea uh, in Essex, and I'm currently a uh, senior SDR at Turtle. So Turtle is an enterprise content automation platform, and we help businesses to uh, create, distribute, and personalize content assets. And we're helping businesses move away from sort of static content assets such as the PDF. So um, yeah, I've been working at Turtle for nearly two years now, uh, really enjoying it. And, um, you know, like in the uh, sort of SaaS world and technology um technology world as well so happy to be talking to you Neil. Thank you so much for a great introduction and it's a pleasure to have you on the show as well Mike. So obviously working out in the world of SaaS and Turtle, UK SDR and a senior SDR at that uh, and again, we've been talking for some time, so I'm really glad to, to get you on the show. So again, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, uh, you'll be able to see uh, me sharing my screen. And what I love to do is kind of like give a bit of context as to, you know, like what I saw on LinkedIn uh, to give a bit of a story as to who Mike is. So Mike, looking at your LinkedIn profile, uh, if we go way back before the world of SaaS and sales development, what we can see here is you uh, had worked previously in the world of finance, you've worked in insurance, you've also been a recruiter yourself, student ambassador, you've worked at companies such as Amazon, you're a member at Rev Genius, uh, and like you say, you've been for the, pretty much, uh, for the last year or so, you've been working in the world of sales development at Turtle. So Mike, I'd really like to know, like in your own words and for the listeners and watchers out there, like, could you walk us through your story of kind of like, how did you get here today? Yeah, of course. So um, I was born in 1994. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really, um, so yeah, I mean, previously wanted to go into finance. Like I say, I used to, used to really enjoy maths at school, thought that was an avenue that I was going to go down. I'd done my work experience in year 10 at accountants, which was, you know, it was enjoyable. But um, after two weeks of doing it, I knew that it really wasn't for me. So um, <laughs> after that, I'd always had a bit of a passion for sales. You know, I was one of the kids at school that you probably used to buy like a LucasAid or a Mars bar off. That was me. So I was always into sales, um, probably fancied myself as a bit of gift of the gab. Not really too sure. But um, <laughs> so yeah, after that was um, really went into sort of like telesales, like cold calling, inbound and outbound at Insurango, 
that was yep. when I was um, that was when I was doing my A levels. So when I was at sixth form and then college, um, and then after that went to university at Brighton, studied business management, which I guess kind of like uh, encompassed you know elements of sales within that as well. And then in my placement year, ended up at Hayes Recruitment, so large. A recruitment firm as well and focused on like the technology sector so i think that's kind of like where my interest in technology began got you. Um, so i was there for about 13 months in my placement year um, enjoyed recruitment and thought that was maybe an area that i was going to go into when i finished university went back to university uh, finished my studies um, which went really well uh, managed to come out with the first which was pretty pretty um pretty good well done. Uh, I wasn't too sure I was going to get that in my second and first year, to be honest with you, but uh, managed it. So that was um, that was good. And then after university, I was really just trying to sort of find the right right role. Thought thought about going back to Hayes, back into recruitment, and then I found um, sort of a good opportunity at Amazon. So I was working at Amazon in business development for about again just under two years. Yeah. So I was working on the uh, marketplace side in the UK and was really working with uh, marketplace sellers and businesses to help them onboard onto marketplace and ramp up their sales and just really sort of make the most of their selling experience on Amazon. Uh, worked there for, as I say, nearly two years. Um, it was an enjoyable experience. It was, um, as you know, massive company. Um, yeah. Lots of opportunity. Um, obviously, in big companies as well, you know, there's um, there's always an element as well where like the impact that you can make potentially maybe isn't as great as you may want it to be. So mm. after that, I kind of decided, you know, maybe it was best to leave. Took a bit of time out. Didn't really know what I was going to do. I was thinking about going back into recruitment, and then um, managed to pass my driving test about probably about five or six years too late than I should have done, but uh, a bit <laughs> late than ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then. Um, really just sort of like came across, um, you know, I was interviewing at a lot of places, trying to be quite careful and selective. You know, I didn't um, sort of rush into anything. And then I found a job ad at Turtle, which to be honest, it was one of the best job ads like I'd ever seen. I still think to this day, like it was, it was just really like, um, it just really like hooked me. So um, okay. after I saw that, as soon as I saw that and I applied, I knew that I wanted the job. Um, and I think the way that I kind of secured that really was prospecting through LinkedIn. I mean, the Josh, wow. my manager, he, um, you know, he mentioned that he was hiring on his LinkedIn name. So naturally sort of like sent him a DM on LinkedIn, sort of cut the nice. queue of all the applications. <laughs> and then um, we, we had a really good few conversations. And then that's kind of how I got where I am today so in, terms of, um, pretty, in terms of the role that I'm at. That's a pretty cool story, dude. So like uh, being that guy was, you know, from Lucas Aid's uh, salesman uh, in the playground, uh, going through different, you know, like industries, different roles, kind of like finding your feet to kind of ending up in turtle. And there's kind of a couple of points in there. So, again, with a lot of the guests that we've had on, like initially we may have this idea of this is kind of like the field we want to get into, mm. i.e. like finance. And then we kind of come to the conclusion that mm, maybe this isn't for us. Um, and then I heard a lot of things, like different roles that have kind of, you know, helped you out to become like an SDR that you are today. So, like you know, like doing cold calling, uh, working in with recruitment. 
Um, so for you, like in your mindset, like again, a lot of SDRs that listen into this, they may be pondering like job changes or career changes. What was going through your mind about, okay, this isn't a fit for me, but maybe I want to go explore there. What was going through your mind at the time? And are there any tips that you might give out to somebody that's kind of going through the same thing, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think really, um, I always knew that I'd probably end up in sales, but I mean, obviously sales is a lot of different roles in a lot of different industries, you know, like recruitment, um, mm. obviously SaaS, um, and really, I think that I was just always quite curious to see what was else was out there. I know there's so many different sales jobs and so many different industries in which you can do it and all the styles in which you do it is, is very different. I mean, you know, re recruitment obviously is changing, but there's kind of that perception of recruitment as being quite like, uh, you know, hard, hard stoned, you know, like 100 mm. calls a day, like eight till eight till seven o'clock and I just kind of thought that, you know, I mean, as, as, as interesting as, as that sounded to me, I mean, maybe I wanted to explore a bit more was out there. And obviously with recruiting into technology and just knowing that that was a really fast growing industry, I thought I'd check out, you know, the world of SaaS and computer software. And was just really like just speaking to different people and just LinkedIn was a massive help as well. I mean, as you know, yeah. just connecting with people on that and just sort of following people's journeys and seeing how they got to where they are listening to sort of different uh, podcasts as well. But really just curiosity, I think, is the, the, main, the main takeaway from, I think, how I ended up here is just, you know, just trying to find out more and um, just really trying to get to a place where you're, you're in the right place. I mean, it, it took a while, I think, for me, but mm. I feel like now I've, I've got that. I absolutely love it. And you know what, like, um, for some of us, we may f move faster than others in terms of career or kind of where we end up, but it's, you know, everybody has their own journey. And I love that where, again, another great trait for an SDR is to be always curious, you know, like how do things work or how is this going to be and exploring that. So like hats off for doing that exploration. Um, and like raising a few points, like recently um, I'm working with an SDR who uh, was a recruiter herself and now she's in this world of sales development. And like when we have a one-to-ones, the main thing that comes up again and again is like, this is a completely different world to what I'm used to. And I'm having to get out of this mindset of, you know, a full end-to-end -end sales cycle of finding a candidate, booking the next meeting, getting an interview and then closing them with a client. With here, it's more, you know, trying to build out that relationship, sharing content, trying to speak to multiple stakeholders. It could be a couple of conversations before you even book in that yeah. initial meeting. Um, so yeah, like there are different uh, uh, sales positions or, you know, qualities of sales that, you know, you can take from other jobs and put into here, but then you kind of got to find your feet when you go into that new role, um, as well. And I think, um, like I've, we've had quite a few recruiters on this show and they've, they've been glad that they've made the transition. And I always ask them, would you ever go back to recruitment now that you've had a taste of SaaS sales? Mm. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out to be fair. It's, you know, it's obviously, it's, uh, it's a massive industry, right? People are always looking for jobs and mm. it's, it's never going to not be there. And it's obviously a very lucrative role if you get it right. And there's always the element as well. One of the main reasons why I got into sales is I, li I like speaking to people and recruitment mm. does give you that. So I wouldn't rule it out, but probably, you know, not, not in the next like five, 10 years, I, I don't imagine, but I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out because, you know, it's, it's something that I have got a bit of experience in. And I think it's mm. something that, you know, I, I could enjoy it the right the right company and the right sort of timing. So potentially, love it, love it. 
And, uh, you know, like, uh, again, could be a bunch of recruiters right now that are thinking about getting into this role. Uh, and I think it's always interesting to know, like, from the skills that you learn in recruitment or, you know, in the other companies that you've worked for, mm. have there been any sort of transferable skills, like, you know, techniques that you learned there that you kind of still use today, Mike, in your SDR role? Yeah, I mean, um, I think anyone who's sort of worked in recruitment sort of knows that you know, you need quite thick skin. Um, mm. So that that's definitely uh, something that helps. And um, also as well, you know, just being quite relentless with the with the outreach as well. I mean, you know, you're calling people that are at work probably all day. Mm. Um, you know, you're probably going to spend a bit of time after your work day as well calling them. But I think like being a bit relentless, but also as well is, you know, building relationships with people that, last for a long time because it might not be the right role for them at the right time but yeah. it might be a different one in the future and I think a lot of this is transferable to um, you know computer software and being an SDR as well because as you mentioned some of the cycles that you can go through I mean not even talking about signing a deal even booking a meeting can take months even a year I mean I've I booked one recently with a lady who um, I spoke to first in June 2020 and I booked a meeting with her uh, when was that? I think it was on Tuesday. So just goes to show, you know, just, just keeping on top of it and just making sure that you hopefully build that rapport and also as well, make sure you update your CRM and keep a task as well. <laughs> 100%. My old sales manager used to say, like, if it's not in Salesforce or the CRM, it doesn't exist. And it's always good to have that audit trail. And that kind of brings me on to another point. Like, um, recently been having a conversation with somebody about, you know, targets uh, and activities etc and kind of what I'm trying to do and coach this person is to you know not only just strive to hit their target but also like be consistent with their activity and I was a bit challenged on this and I, I love to be challenged right and I said to the person it's all cool to hit your target but if your activity is low that could also cause you a problem in the future and they were like well if I've hit the target then I don't really have to worry about the activity and I said okay cool but imagine if you didn't hit the target for this month and you didn't have the activity, you know, you're kind of selling yourself short. Um, and I said, like, what you also want to be thinking about is the future. So like an AE or a salesperson or a crew, you always got to have that pipeline. Mm -hmm. And that activity is done at a set standard point per day. And if you do it over time, then it's always going to build your pipeline for the next month, the month after, the month after. Because, yes, you've had a great month. But as we know, we're now into Q3. So we're like, what, coming into July? It always starts with zero on the day, first day of the month and you've got to yep. start again. But if you have to kind of build up your prospecting again from scratch, you're going to, you know, struggle to, you know, be consistent. So my kind of tip is like, make sure that, yes, you're cool for your target, but make sure you have that activity to back you up. But what are your thoughts on it in terms of like activities versus targets? Like what's important to you and like how do you, you know, stay consistent? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a great topic <laughs> for sure. Um, I think, you know, there's it's kind of like that old school sales mentality as well where, you know, you need to do X number of calls per day, you need to do X number of emails per day, um, which, you know, I, I do believe to an extent for sure. Like, obviously, you need to be making activity and you need to be, you need to be like doing LinkedIn nowadays as well. I mean, obviously, like you need to be multi-channel. It's not just, it's not just your calls. It's not just your emails. Mm. It's, it's LinkedIn, it's texts, it's... Um, it's sharing content. It's not just trying to book a meeting as well. It's building relationships and being relevant. But yeah, I think that ultimately I, I do try and keep to some level of like consistency with the activity that I do. Um, mm. However, like for, for me personally, I, I think that it's, it's about having like, like awareness as well of like 
who are the right people to call at the right time, like making sure that you've taken a note of if you've spoken to someone, but it wasn't the right time, like leaving good notes about what you spoke about, why it wasn't the right time, making sure you've got the task to follow up as well. And then, I mean, a lot of my meetings now are just coming through sort of like follow-ups from people that I've spoken to about a year ago that weren't ready. So but obviously that all came from activity, right? So mm. it's, it's really important. Um, and I think it's definitely good to have like a level that you try and aspire to or hit on a weekly basis. A daily basis, I think, you know, it can be a bit, um, it can be difficult, right? Because you might be doing planning, you might be doing maybe more LinkedIn focused, but I think on a weekly basis, you should definitely have like a level that you aspire to. Um, mm. And I, I really, we sort of aim for about like, 200 calls a week so it's not like ridiculous amounts but it's it's yeah. good enough to the consistency but also have enough time to sort of think about and slow down like who you're calling why you're calling mm. them what you're going to say same with emails as well so i think there's a balance to strike and finding that probably isn't always that easy <laughs> indeed but i love it like you said like being consistent with it but you know taking a mindful approach so it's not just like spray and praying just doing the activity for the sake of the activity but taking your time and thinking about okay so how you're going to execute and i love like how you say you know like some days it may not go to plan you may have other new things in your calendar like you know like planning or perhaps having one-to-ones with your team or oh, perhaps God. thinking about a new sequence <laughs> that you want to create or something right Mm. um and yeah like again like with the activities like i always say like to seos i don't want to i don't expect like 500 calls like a week etc or just mm. doing it for the sake of it like with me it's about the quality that comes off the back of it so like if you're doing like 100 emails like what's the reply rate to it like what's the conversion to that becoming a meeting um and again it's something i chime in again and again on all the shows that i do like with the calls it's called like i used to do like two like 120 dollars a day two hours call time i did it because i had to do it and it was what the old school sales manager told me i had to do sure but the reality was uh, even though i used to book 40 50 meetings a month like in my early days of telesales there was a very low conversion rate on those actually mm. becoming opportunities and deals but it was you know, taking a qualitative approach where, all right, I can do a hundred dials, but if they're all lasting a minute long, probably not having meaningful conversations, right? But if I have 10, 20 solid calls a day where they're averaging between three to five minutes, I'm actually probably having a conversation with people. Mm. Um, and then I think and equally like, you know, taking time to reflect as to how, okay, what was successful in the day and what didn't work? What yep. could I change up to make it better for the next day? And taking that time to reflect as well. Um, solid points, 100% with you, mate. Um, and the other piece, like with your career, so like you said, you, you're working uh, with an Amazon and you said something really interesting here about the impact that you make is kind of like a bit harder to see perhaps within, say, a smaller startup. And I think like for me, I used to work in the world of corporate sales. Mm. Yeah, I'd book meetings, but I would never hear about the deal closing or the new logos that we've acquired, etc. And, you know, I wouldn't know what my direct impact was. So for you, what did it mean, like, you know, not being able to see that impact? And how does it like differ working in a startup environment for you, Mike? Yeah, I think that, you know, having the having the sort of transparency across the board of like, to a degree, you know, of, of what's going on, and, you know, how how things are going, you know, on my first day at Turtle, I met with the CEO, Nick, which, you know, you're not going to get that in a lot of companies. I mean, obviously, when I joined, we were not early days. They've been around for about four years. We were about 50, 52, 53 people. Um, 
we've nearly doubled since then in the last sort of about 20 months. Um, but I wow. think, I think that, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's hard to say because it's within a big organization like Amazon as well, it's kind of like a startup in its own right in its, in its way that it's going into many different verticals and industries and got so many different business units. So it, it, it was almost mm-hmm. like I was working in a startup as well. And yeah. it's just, it was a, a very, very, very big startup. <laughs> but um, I, I think it. you know I think the um, obviously with, with Turtle as well I, mean, I, I kind of found a place where you know you've you can you can find out a bit more about like you know like revenue targets and find out a bit more about like what the intentions of like your leaders are and you get a bit more face time with them which I think is is valuable um, mm. not to say that certain people don't get that in certain organizations you know it's probably just the, maybe an experience that personally I had so yeah, 100% with you, dude. And I, I agree with you. Like uh, a lot of guests have said that, like when working, moving from like a corporate world into a startup world, getting that FaceTime with the leadership, seeing how like they structure and build a company and how they're hiring. And as it's growing, like you see employee number 50, employee number 65 coming along. And you kind of feel like you're part of something special versus a company that's already been defined and people know like who they are as well. Uh, and everybody experiences it in different ways. Um, I think like back to my time when I I joined and board in companies where I've been employee number, you know, 52, then I've been employee number 98. And most recently at the company that I'm working with at the moment, we're not even at the 100 mark, but I'm employee 90 something. And I went to our first ever sales kickoff. And funny enough, this was the first sales kickoff I've attended since January 2020. So I felt a bit fresh and I was like, oh, I've missed this, like seeing a whole team company, but seeing like how they've grown like how many people they've added to it, kind of like what's like the projections for the next year, we're hiring more people. And for some people, it can be really unsettling. For others, it can be really exciting. But again, to that point of feeling like you're part of something, Mm. I think is a key thing that I found. And a lot of the SDR guests have said that when they've joined into these startups as well. And with Turtle, so obviously uh, there are elements that really remind me of my days of working at Showpad in terms of content with PDFs and like helping like people have these better conversations through the tool. Who are the type of people that you normally speak to on a day-to-day basis when you're trying to introduce Turtle Mike? Yeah, so um, the, the genesis sort of began in marketing. Um, so naturally, like VPs of marketing, demand generation uh, marketers, account-based marketers, really sort of moving into the sales space as well. So, well, moved into the sales space. So sales enablement uh, leaders as well. VPs of sales and um, channel and partner marketing as well. They're kind of like the core personas that we that we sort of target. But I mean, really, it's it's a content format that can be utilized throughout any part of the business. So we can really be speaking to like heads of talent acquisition for like recruitment packs, or we can be speaking to internal communications who want mm. to sort of create more engaging content for their employees and sort of see, is it performing? Are they actually reading this and um, you know and the interactive elements as well can sort of help you tailor and personalize future content to you know perform even better so it's a range but primarily sort of like marketing and sales but yeah. i'm sure like as time goes on we're going to be moving into lots of different sort of personas as well indeed and you know what like again similar to companies i've worked with and even more recently like with my current uh, job that i'm in uh, we're working with like employee communications, like director of comms, IC managers, et cetera. 
Mm. Um, and yet yeah, I've been in places where we've sold to VPs of sales and VPs of marketing. Sales enablement is a very like close to my heart topic, especially like with happy selling and training, etc. Um, but what's really cool by the sounds of it, Mike, is you're talking to different departments, you're talking to different roles, you're talking to different personas. You must get like a really max, mixed bag of cool knowledge that you're learning from like, how these companies are doing what they're doing and how they execute their strategies. Has there been anything like, you know, like a, an aha moment, like when you've been speaking to like a marketing team to see their strategy or working with sales? What cool things have you learned which kind of helps you out in your sales role? So... Well, one thing I learned is not all VPs of sales like being called. <laughs> but um, apart from that, uh, definitely. I mean, it's I think it's testament as well to like when I was onboarded, like Josh and the marketing team as well and leadership team, like they've got a really good grounding of like enablement documents that we use that sort of talks to the personas that we're talking to. So um, sort of talks to the personas that we're targeting. Uh, yeah. yeah um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, generally, I'm prospecting into computer software technology companies, and it's mainly, you know, mainly large enterprises. So they can be quite fragmented. Um, they're not really too sure how content's being used in different parts of the business. Mm. Uh, there's not too much alignment as well. Um, but I think as well, it's there's in, in some businesses as well. There's always that like curiosity to sort of try new things and tools, and um, so I, I think that. To take away, I think some some businesses, you know, they're, they're using a lot of platforms and I'm not sure if they're using them as well as they potentially could be. There's a mm. lot of tech out there right now. And um, I think a lot of businesses are going down that consolidation phase at the moment as well, where they're just, they've got so much tech, they don't know what to do with it, which as a <laughs> tech salesperson can be quite difficult. So yeah. um, I think that it's, it's very mixed and very, very dependent on the companies, but um you know, at the end of the day, everyone's got the same same goal to some extent, which is to sort of grow the respective companies they're working on and make sure that they're seeing what's out there and being like, with an ear to the market and just like making sure that they're not falling behind. 100%, dude, 100%. And you're right, like, um, <clears throat> I remember my days at like Showpad, very similar thing to like with Turtle with content and enablement. Um, you'd have, I remember speaking to a lot of VPs of sales or VPs of marketing. And I'd say like, you've got this PowerPoint presentation, uh, that's initially created by marketing to enable the salespeople to, you know, sell the message and the vision of what the company's doing. Uh, and I used to say to them, like, do you know if this content's being used? Do you know if it's being shared by your salespeople? They were like, yeah, we think they are. And I was like, you think like, how do you hundred percent know? Uh, and then I said, well, look, me being a sales guy, I used to take like my PowerPoints and I used to like rip them apart with what marketing did, put in my own logos, put in my own text. And I said, like, how do you guys ensure that you've got version control? So for the listeners out there, in terms of I create a PowerPoint and I want it to be the version that goes out, but somebody else could unlock that PDF or, you know, that PowerPoint and they're then mutilating it is the way that I used to put it to marketeers. Yeah. And they're taking your lovely content and they're completely destroying it and creating their own version. Um, and with salespeople, like with VPs of sales, we're like saying, so do you know what your team are doing out in the field? Do you know how they're interacting with their prospects? They're like, yeah, we catch up like once a week. They tell me what's going on. And I said, but past that, what do you know? Like we don't have that insight. Mm. Uh, and again, to your point, they'd be saying we've got multiple tools. We've got like Dropbox. We've got Google Drive. We've got all of this. And I said, well, how do you know what's living in there and how effective it is like to help you guys sell? And they'd be like, we don't. 
and then you show them a new way of doing something, they're like, ah, right, so we can do this, we can do this. And when they have that light bulb moment, that used to bring me joy of like saying, right, we can help you as salespeople, we can help you as marketeers. But I'd always like ask VPs of sales and marketing, I said, look, do you know what, one day I want to run my own business. And the reason I'm in this job is because I want to see how VPs of marketing market and spread awareness and content. And how do VPs of sales like work and how do they run their teams? Uh, but you said like an interesting point there, like a lot, some VPs of sales, they don't like to be called. So right. how, how do you like lock horns with a VP of sales? Have you got any tips like if you're going to try and connect with a VP of sales? Um, I mean, generally it's, you know, I think generally they're probably one of the most more favorable people to call, but you know, occasionally like it, like in anything, you do get that anomaly where they don't like being called, but, or how did you get my phone number or, or whatnot? But I generally just try and pose a question, you know, like you work in sales, you must've called people at some point or where did you get my number from? Oh, I use this plugin. I'm sure your sales team use it. Mm. You know, it, it can vary how that sort of uh, goes down with a different person, depending on, I guess, like what day it is and what's been going on in their day, I guess. But um, I think that, you know, you've always got to be understanding and just don't take it to heart really is, is the key. But I love speaking to VPs of sales as well, because it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's like that opportunity to probably learn from someone, hopefully who's got you know, a bit more experience than me and can probably teach me something on the call as well. 100%. I, I really love that. And um, I, I love that technique, like you said, like kind of bringing it back to like, common ground like you've been in this position you've had to call people uh you know this is how phone numbers your team might be doing this as well i think that's a really nice way to build rapport with somebody but again it could depend on how much of a good day they've had a bad day and you might get a, a nasty like feedback on the phone but to your point like try not to take it to heart but i love that element of you know trying to learn from something that you might be able to take from that call that can help you out in your career i remember again my time at showpad I went up to, where was it? I think it was Teesside <clears throat> and I met, a, it was a, a manufacturing company and I went to go introduce the platform and do the whole AE thing. And I remember I was doing the demo, I was doing like the recap and I was talking about the next steps and the VP of sales was sitting next to me in a boardroom and all these other sales guys, they got their arms like this, like who the hell is this guy? He's like some new age techie salesperson because they run, uh, worked in the world of traditional manufacturing. So it was completely like mind blowing for them. But I remember the VP of sales just like uh, midway through the meeting, like he said, all right, gents, we're all going to take a break. And the sales guys walked out and he said, no, Neil, stay here. I just want to chat with you. He's like, the way that you ran this meeting and the way that you did the next steps and you explained everything, where did you learn this style from? And I said, oh, I learned it from other salespeople. I've read books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he just said, um, there's a book that you should read. Um, and he was talking about like spin selling and spin selling is something I learned way back in the day, yeah. but he was like telling me like certain chapters that I should be reading and what I should be doing. And he just said, look, I'm really impressed in the way that you act as a salesman, like salesman to salesman. I like it and let's kind of stay in touch. Unfortunately, the deal never closed because I made a really bad boy error of trying to like bring him across the line when he wasn't ready to do it. And he got offended. I remember he said to me, he said, Neil, like, look, I respect you as a salesperson, but that technique that you use to try and get me onto a deal with like a carrot in front of me, I don't like that. So we're not going to move forward on that basis. And I learned a big lesson and I still speak to him every now and then, like to ask advice, but, you know, trying to learn from other people that not only are you trying to sell to, you know, what you can take for yourself uh, uh, as a sales professional. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, like before we got onto this call, like we're talking about careers and, you know, aspirations, et cetera, like kind of where you want to go. 
Uh, and I've seen like on your LinkedIn profile, it says like you are an SDR, you was working in the enterprise space, and then you become a senior SDR. Mm. And this is something I'm seeing like with a lot of other LinkedIn profiles. Um, and to me, when uh, I never used the term senior, I just I was an SDR, then I just went to AE, then I went into the next role. Yeah. Um, and I've been asked questions like, Neil, what are your thoughts on like making some of our current members into senior SDRs? And I kind of said back to the person, I was like, what does senior SDR mean? Is it somebody that's been in the role, you know, for a long, longer time uh, and they maybe have got a core focus in that role or is it because their target's gone up and, you know, it's a bit harder to hit and it's kind of getting them prepped to become an AE? For you, what does senior SDR mean at Turtle, Mike? Yeah, so um, I'm sure, as you say, it can probably mean different things in different companies and it, it does seem to be a bit of a new, a new phenomenon in a way in the world of um, computer software, but... Um, yeah, I mean, at Turtle, what, what it means here really is I'm still still prospecting in the enterprise space, still booking meetings, still doing calls, still emailing, utilizing you know, LinkedIn. Um, but really, it's it's kind of working with the leadership team a bit more to sort of you know think about new tools, processes, messaging, and working with new joiners as well to help them on board, mm. um, going through sort of you know like role plays, ramping them up listening to calls, giving feedback. So it's a bit of element of like coaching and training. It's not like full-time management. Um, yeah. I'm not like a team leader. I don't necessarily lead a, a, a specific team. But yeah. um, it's really, I guess, just being kind of like that go-to person because, as you know, a company that's growing, um, you know, my head of sales development, Josh, is very busy. He's getting pulled in many different directions, <laughs> yeah. like a, a lot of people are. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good to, I think, have a, a go-to um, person or, or people <laughs> or persons um, that you can sort of have that have got that knowledge or experience as a new uh, sales development representative to, to go to and get feedback on and just, just get a bit of, you know, how would you approach this? You know, I'm not, you know, it's, it's not, no one's, no one's opinion is necessarily right, but I think yeah. that if you can provide some valuable insights and just break down how you might approach it, then that that may help. And that's kind of what I'm doing today. So that's what it means for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it as as kind of like a, a stepping stone, you're right, to, to the next role, which will be an account executive um, in the next few months, hopefully. I think it will be. Positive affirmation, it will be, Mike. But I love sure that um, because I think a lot of SDRs do ask me the question of like, what should I be doing before I take that next step? Um, and I always ask them, like, what is it that you want to be doing? And nine times out of ten is like they want to become an AE. And I try to remind them that being an AE is more than just doing a demo for 30 minutes to an hour. There's a lot of things that happen outside of that. So, you're, you know, you're managing the relationship, you're handling objections, you've got threats, you've got competitors, you're talking to procurement, you're doing lots of different things. Uh, and you're having to perhaps re-educate new, like, oh, no, sorry, re-educate people that you've been speaking to for the last year, but then introduce it and educate again for people that are new into that sales cycle. Um, and something that I learned was, you know, sometimes taking on more responsibility than what you're just tasked to do as an SDR. So, like, we're emailing, we're calling, we're prospecting. But as you mentioned, if the company's growing uh, and you're able to help out newbies that are joining on board, like being that coach, giving feedback... Uh, perhaps you don't have it uh, assigned to your quota or against your target, but you're there to help them up. But I think taking on that extra bit of responsibility gives you a bit of exposure just to, you know, working with a team, working with multiple stakeholders, people that don't get it, some people that are failing, helping them bring back up. These are qualities, again, that you can transfer that will, you know, aid you 
to become that great account executive. Um, yeah. So I think like for the listeners and watchers out there, if you're thinking like, what could I do? Like perhaps speak with your boss and just say, are there any other responsibilities I can take on before I transition into that AE role that will, you know, help you become a well-rounded individual and salesperson. So I love what you're doing. Uh, and yes, I will be watching intently over the next few months for that promotion that will happen, Mike. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, by the time this is published, uh, I'd like that to be the case. <laughs> Indeedy. And what we could do is get you back as a future guest to see like how did that transition pan out and what are the ins and outs like to give tips for the future guests. I'm always planting the seed. I'm putting my pipeline in there for the podcast show. <laughs> of um, course, yeah, like any good seller would. <laughs> Indeedy. Um, so again, it's been absolutely great to, to get you on the show as well. Mike and I said, would love to get you back on. Uh, and a question that I always want to ask uh, our guests is, so here's a little bit of a twist. I normally ask what would be the three bits of advice that you'd give to your former self. And we most recently had a guest on that said, what three bits of advice would they give to their future self? You know, mm. if that Mike in the future is the, hey, what three bits of advice would you give him? So it's totally down to you. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to give the three bits of advice to your younger self or three bits of advice to your future self? I think I'll... For for the for the listening audience, I'll, prob I'll probably I'll probably go down the uh, the latter route, so the, uh, the the younger self, I think, yep. just because I'm sure. I mean, but I'm I'm sure there's a lot of um, there's a lot of cross uh, cross bridges in that, and I'm sure they intertwine. <laughs> so I think that you know, I mean, we've mentioned it and we've touched on it a lot. It's like curiosity. You know, you need to be curious. You know, how how are people doing things? Why are they doing it? When are they doing it? How long for are they doing it? And you know just really trying to get to the yes or the no. So just, just being curious and trying to learn, that's, that's probably the first one. Um, consistency, we touched on that with activities as well. That's key. I mean, it's, it's probably quite a, a simple one, but I mean, it's, it can be quite easy to peak and trough and peak and trough. But I think yeah. on a weekly basis, you know, you need to make sure that you're doing X to get to Y. So that's probably one as well. Yeah. And one that probably could be future and past is, you know, like any salesperson would, you know, if, if, if you want to work in sales, I think, you know, you need to develop like a, a passion for people and, and for conversation and really try and like build rapport with people and work on skills like effective listening and elements like that. So that's probably the three key takeaways I'd, I'd probably give. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for that. So again, stay curious, like always explore, be consistent, like like you said, in order to hit X to reach Y. Um, and again, like with like learning and continuous, like continuously doing this, like improving yourself and having that passion to love what you do, right? So future Mike, if you're re-listening to this, remember the advice that the younger Mike gave to yourself. So yeah, in essence, we actually just did that. We've given our future Mike just some advice as well to remember. Uh, but absolutely love it, Mike. Uh, and are there any shout outs that you'd like to give on today's show? Yeah. Um... I mean, there's there's a few, so probably stick down the uh, sort of, I guess, business development route as well. I mean, I've got, um, there's a couple of tutors at university who helped me quite a lot as well. Um, so oh, cool. I'll probably shout out to them as well. So um, Keith, uh, if you're watching, nice one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Julie as well, you're a star. Um, and I think as well, like obviously in the company that I'm at, like it's, it's been really good. So I mean, Josh has really helped me. 
really helped me progress. You know, Carla in the marketing team as well. She's been really good to work with. And James is like the main account executive I work with as well. I've been learning from him over the last couple of years as well. And he's really been helping me. So I think that, you know, shout out to all those guys for really trying to help me develop and just being approachable when I've needed them. I absolutely love it. So shout out to the tutors and shouts out to the team. So Mike Judge, SDR, well, senior SDR from Turtle, I wish you all the best luck uh, in the coming months and fingers crossed for that promotion that will happen. Uh, and if any of the listeners or watchers uh, want to reach out to you via LinkedIn, are you okay with that? Yeah, of course. Um, on LinkedIn, Michael Judge, find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. So listeners and watchers, I'll make sure I put that into the notes as well. And remember, we want to get this show out to help as many and inspire as many SDRs as we are uh, out there at today. So again, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please rate us in your local podcast platform. But Mr. Judge, thank you so much. I wish you a great week uh, and a great weekend. We've got the England game tomorrow as well. So fingers crossed. Uh, that we get through you never know stranger things have happened but dude most thank you again and happy selling if we're watching it in the future let's let's hope it came home indeed a hundred percent but mike have a beautiful week sir and happy selling thanks neil been a pleasure great to uh, speak to you again Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.